gooseneck. Okay, good. I won't wander then. But my wife uh, sends a question along with me for all of us this year. And today, uh, the question is, is your heart at peace? This season, is your heart at peace? Can you repeat after me, please? The Lord has come to bring us peace. The Lord has come to bring us peace. And the Lord will come again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Enter Isaiah chapter 9. If you're able, please uh, briefly stand as we read from this important scripture this morning. Our God, speaking through the prophet, says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor that same location, Galilee of the nations, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The word of the Lord may touch our hearts with us this morning. Please be seated. Being excluded can be devastating. Growing up in Frostburg, Maryland, we used to play pickup ball. You get a couple captains who are typically the best players. They take a bat and toss it. Someone would grab it, usually around the trademark, and then the next, the other captain would put his hand on it, and they would go up and up and up until they got to the knob. And whoever's hand was at the knob, he got first pick. And all the youngsters, myself included, are lined up. And so the captain says, I'll take him. So he moves here. The other captain, I'll take you, comes here. You, you. And of course, they go from the bigger, better players down, 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 till Danny, that's my name, is standing there all alone. Anybody want him? And usually they assign the positions and, you know, if you're playing shortstop, you're playing uh, center field, you play right field, you play left field. Danny, you can play left out. 
Or if they did put me in right field, that's where it was, right field, because no balls are ever hit there for Danny to miss. How opposite this season is. This is a time when God welcomes us. He includes you and me and all who would come. If you see someone, by the way, uh, who's been left out this season, invite them, include them. I had three party invitations yesterday. It's a wonderful thought. It's a time for excluding people in our parties, a time for God excluding us and including us in his. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, Danny included. God wishes us this season to take comfort and to be reassured. Of course, the dark background, the dark background for this text comes out of chapter 8 and the historical situation that would uh, be spoken of by Isaiah uh, for the people of Israel. There would be a time, it says, nevertheless, in verse 1, there will be no more gloom. Notice these words, no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he, he humbled or devastated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Notice the situation here. It's gloomy. The people living in darkness. They, there was a time of gloom, a time of distress, a time when the Israelites were humbled, brought low by the, the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians came into Zebulun and Naphtali, which was west of the Sea of Galilee, North, it's northern Israel, that general area back in the 700s, 720, 30, in that area. And uh, under the Syrian leaders of Tiglath Pileser III and under Shalmaneser V, these were some ruthless warriors, some ruthless people. And you see here in this uh, relief picture that was taken uh, from an archaeological dig. Of, of prisoners being dragged away with hooks in their lips. It's a horrible sight. And this was one of the ways in which the people were treated, God's people, uh, dragged away. Thousands were carried away into Assyria, uh, taken away from their homes, and uh, that's why you have the phrase, the ten lost tribes of Israel. They just were uh, devastated. The land of Naphtali, the land of Zebulon. And uh, we're told in Matthew 4, 12, in this, regarding this gloomy, depressing place, <coughs> and we're told that when John the Baptist was also taken away and put in prison, then Jesus starts his ministry in that same area, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beyond the Jordan, in the general area of Galilee. That's the background and that's the setup for this season, according to this passage here in um, Isaiah 9. Well, sadly, the Israelites, 
like us, sometimes we bring troubles on ourselves. The reason Israel was in this situation is because uh, they had uh, disconnected from God, and not just for a moment, but it was a gradual erosion in their spiritual condition. They had wandered away over and over again, uh, relying on human strength, as we often do, relying on their own powers, and even uh, pagan powers, allies with Syria, a pagan, pagan people, and uh, getting their strength from within and from their own humanity rather than looking to God. And of course, the sad part is they got themselves in a terrible situation. It's so easy for us to do as we drift far and far away from God and think we can make it without him. Truth is, what we'll find is that we get stuck in a hole. And there are strong reasons, I believe, for getting stuck in a hole. Because stuck in the past is that uh, we've been hurt. Uh, We've been let down. We've been brought down. Maybe it is a decision or decisions uh, are a way in which we've brought that on ourselves. Or maybe it's something that some other person, decision that she or he's made has brought you down. And uh, a past negative experience or experiences Sometimes uh, we can't shake it. We can't shake it from our minds. We can't shake it emotionally. We can't get by the past. Some people I know have been stuck for years, and they know exactly what happened to them and how they couldn't forgive another person because of some terrible thing that had happened. And they couldn't get by. I met a woman. Something happened to her son that she could never let go of and forgive. Saw her, hadn't seen her for 20 years. I saw her 20 years later, and she was still in the same place. In fact, she seemed to be much, much worse. The people in darkness, however, have seen a great light. The light shines in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and it shines to the rest of the world. Jesus is the light of the world that didn't just shine there in uh, that sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee where he took up his ministry to begin, but he brought, brings light elsewhere into the world. And what's the purpose of light? Well, first of all, it exposes darkness. It exposes us and exposes us and our issues, and it shows us the way out. Enter Scrooge. Scrooge had a visit from Christmas past. He got a visit to show him his issues. He showed him how much happier he was when he was a young child. And then, of course, he's reminded how stingy he had become, how miserable and miserly he had become and cold-hearted. What a terrible erosion in his life. And that's why he got a visit from Christmas past. Of course, the question for Scrooge and for all of us this year is, can we extinguish the ghost of Christmas past? Can Scrooge and all of us, can we really, can we get beyond that negativity, that negative darkness that we 
find ourselves in from the past. Well, how do you do that? How do you get out of the darkness? How do you get stepping forward? Well, it's simple. Two words. Confess and repent. Can you say those two words for me? Confess and repent. I think we heard some of those words last week. Uh, confess simply means in Greek, it's homo legeo. It means to say the same thing. Homo legeo. To tell it like it is. In Hebrew, uh, the word is nagad. Confess means uh, to make conspicuous. Cons- to make conspicuous and to declare. So, yep, that's me in all my negativity and all the things I've done wrong. And here I am, Lord, with all my faults, my failings. I'm guilty. I'm not going to hide it. Deficient, defiant, defective. So we take ownership so we can get past the past and move on into the future in a better way. And, of course, then there's the repent. It's not enough, the word repent, it's not enough for you and me to just say, hey, hey, Lord, here I am with all my faults. It's like, okay, I'm going to turn back toward God. That's what repent means. It means to adjust. It means to, to change, have a change of mind or literally to turn, to turn the other direction instead of staying stuck in our poor decisions. Truth is, uh, we often expect more of the worst. We expect the worst. We've had it in the past, and that's what we're looking for, maybe intuitively. In a town named Hornell, in uh, some small town in America, I couldn't find out where it was located, but three years ago, I'd written written read an article about a sting operation. The police were pulling drivers over for breaking the law. And uh, things like uh, five miles over the speed limit, they'd pull you over. You're breaking the law. Uh, if you for- They'd see someone pull out of the parking lot and they forgot to put on their seatbelt right away. They'd pull them over. They're breaking the law. Uh, if you slow down at a stop sign, almost coming to a stop, but not quite, they pull you over. You're breaking the law. Police would turn on their flashing lights with the sting operation for the minor infractions. One person was pulled over for driving on bald tires. And of course, what these policemen would do for these small infractions, they would say, you know you're guilty of breaking the law, don't you? Yeah. And by the way, uh, what do you want for Christmas? Uh-oh. One woman, she said, well, I'd like to have a big screen TV. And they had people standing by Walmart, and they were calling in. She wants a big screen TV. <laughs> they, in five minutes, they'd come out. Here it is. A big screen TV. Gave her a warning, but then gave her the TV. The man with the bald tires, what do you think he wanted for Christmas? He got a set of brand new tires. Well, 
the sting operation was really working that season. Christmas is a time for bringing us surprising grace. Oh, I hope you're surprised. God's come to bring not the law, but he's come full of grace. God has come to make his present greater than our past. Can you say those words? God has come to make his present greater than our past. Instead of sending us to a place of judgment, God promises us a place of peace. Now, when you're guilty and undeserving as I and all of us, it can be hard to receive God's kindness emotionally in our feelings. And yet God speaks of his pure, beautiful grace. Speaks of us of his pure and beautiful embrace. You know the words of the other prophet, the words from Isaiah, prophet's other words where he says earlier in the book though your sins be red like scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they be like crimson they shall be as wool God's intention this season for you and me is to declare us pure pure as you're trusting In him this season, he says, I declare you morally beautiful. Then there's this other verse, a favorite of mine, that helped me for so many years turn things around emotionally and inwardly as I thought about myself. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm sure many of you know it. It puts our moral beauty this way in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. My wife said, you should have put a more beautiful slide up there. She says, you've got this like sixth grade elementary drawing. She says, well, I had some more beautiful ones, but I couldn't figure out the technology that kept going away. It wouldn't let me embed it. So, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. You know, by the way, on your computer, most of you have discovered by now, you have a default. When you get to computer, there are certain defaults set. And programs, there are defaults set. It comes with a default. You know you can change the default, don't you? You know on the screensaver, if it has a picture of a rocky, dark valley, you can put a high white mountaintop. Just go into the default setting and change it. If you happen to have a larvae, which I doubt you do, as a screen setter, you can put a butterfly. And that's exactly what God has done. He's changed your basic default setting. For those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ, they're a new creation. From God's perspective, the old is past, The new for you has come. The question is, will this work? (laughs) There we go. The question is, how do you see yourself? When you look at yourself and your world, do things seem bright? 
or do they look dull? Of course, the really big question is that we must ask this season is, what is God's presence? Because that's going to change how we see things. What is God's present? What is God's gift to us? God's given us a gift to help us see ourselves better. To see ourselves as he sees us in Christ. And what is that gift? Well, God's love for us. That's your gift in Christ. God's love, God's personal care, all wrapped up in a newly born child. For to us, to us, a child is given. To us, a son is born. He's lying in a manger. God's gift comes in this little manger and the story that we know so much about but so easily forget. God's gift, well, a son is given. At Christmas, there's a lot of giving, and I hope you give a lot. And if, receives, and if you receive much, give thanks and be grateful. But nothing compares to the gift of God's newborn son for you and me. Of course, the companion passage, I hadn't thought about it until I read this passage from Isaiah 9 or earlier. Uh, but a companion passage is from John 3. You see, God so loves the world that he gave his son. For unto us a son is given in Isaiah 9 and in John 3. And of course, Luke's angel said, the son will bring good news, which will be for all the people. Doesn't make any difference if you live in China or Timbuktu or Elkridge, Reisterstown, Catonsville. Remember the idea of being included? You are. The good news shall be for all the people. Good news for any of us brave enough to believe in this son. And this son's gift is he will be called wonderful. Some people translated, some favorite scholar of mine, he shall be called a wonder, not wonderful counselor only, but a wonder. Wonderful as the son who created the world, wonderful as the son who stepped down out of heaven because he was born human. Because he lived a perfect life. That's why he's wonderful. To give you his personal life record as your own. And to die a substitute for our sins. That's why he's so wonderful. Of course, he's wonderful because he rose and he descended through the clouds that he made. And one day he'll lift you up through those same clouds who are in Christ lifting us up to life beyond all the pain in this world. Wonderful counselor. There he is counseling the undeserving like the woman at the well, showing her a better, brighter way. A counselor who amazed even the the smartest of scholars, 
teaching, teaching and counseling from the scriptures at even age 12. By the way, any 12-year-olds here or near thereabouts? Well, take note. Maybe you'll walk in Jesus' footsteps and become a great counselor from the book. What a great calling that would be. And, of course, not only wonderful, counselor, mighty God. God in human flesh. That's what we have in this tiny manger. Mary's child, mighty God. And he can calm, by the way, the worst of life's storms. Not just the ones when he walked the earth with his twelve, but with the other disciples that still follow him. Wonderful because he's our everlasting father. You know, Jesus is born to become a father to you you and me who believe. He's come to care for you this season like a good father would treat his children. A father who's both infinite and personal. Scripture says, remember, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who reverence him. And of course, he's going to give his loving care as a father to us today, this season, and forever. Everlasting father. As Jesus said, I will never leave you as orphans. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And lastly, Prince of Peace. God has sent us a prince to pronounce peace to us. A royal prince who can bring you and me renewed peace this season. No eye has seen, no ear has yet heard the kind of peace that God's prepared for you and me and all who believe. Jesus said, peace I leave you, with peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You know, all of us have troubles, don't we? All of us have worries. Some of you worry about health. Some of you have panic attacks. Some of us, we have anxiety. We have bouts of depression. We've said things or done things that still bother us. But the most amazing thing about Christmas is that God Almighty comes to us in a little child to bring us peace. In Hebrew, that peace is shalom, which means to make whole. Christ has come to put things right. He's come to put things right between us and God and to put everything right within. Our Lord said, "This world, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Will you, will you please repeat these words after me? The Lord has come to bring us peace. The Lord has come to bring us peace. And the Lord will come again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen.
Please bow your heads as I lead us in a closing prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, indeed you are the royal prince of peace. You took upon the form of human flesh and blood to put our hearts right with God, to put our hearts right with each other and to make us feel right within. This day and throughout the season, as we trust in you and not trust in ourselves, grant us a profound peace. Grant this congregation a profound peace of mind and heart that we might not feel guilty about the past or worry about the future. But Lord, indeed, set our hearts at peace this season that we might truly and freely live cheerfully in the present. Please hear our prayer, O Prince of Peace. Amen.